Is that me on? Happy days. Now you have to listen to me. How's everybody doing? You're all very quiet. Turn around and say hello to somebody. Smile at them. Tell them they look lovely today. Tell them you like what they did with their hair. Tell them how. Just bless something about them. Call out something that you like about them. Even if it is your spouse, you're allowed to do that too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not looking at you two kids in particular, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, if this is your first time in Journey, you're very, very welcome. If this is your 101st time, you're, you're welcome too. Um, yeah, no, it's great. Uh, this, you know, like Colin says, this coming Saturday we have our cross guard outreach. And, you know, as a church, we often, you know, even when you get into our prayer meetings, we're often, you know, we're calling out, God, help us to, you know, pursue your kingdom. Give us opportunities to, to, to be ambassadors for you in, in our communities, where we're at. We want to see revival come. Who prays those prayers? We want to see revival come, God. Would you come in your power, your Holy Spirit? We, we get on those red hot, fiery moments and then an opportunity comes and we're like, oh no, uh, oh dear, I don't know. Uh, let, me, let me go back to my prayer meeting and pray, you know. But how many of you know prayer and evangelism is, the, is two different sides of the same coin? You see, we pray, but also God wants us to be the answer to that prayer. Not that we, it's all about us, but actually we become the vehicles, you know, that, that we get to move with God. So, you know, you've only got yourself to blame in that when opportunities are created to, you know, I, I really believe, you know, I, you know, CrossGuard is a wee bit different to, I guess, all the different events that we've done because, you know, it's still in the mode of blessing, it's still in the mode of, of, of going out and being light. But actually, there's opportunities now in, in what we've created in some of the games and activities that actually you get to interact. You get to interact with, you know, look at the people in this room, look around right now, look at the many different faces and people that bring, bring different things to the table that you get to be at. I know some of you obviously aren't there, but you may be timed that well, but uh, we get to be the ones that actually, you know, interact in a way. So I'm really excited for it. I, Crossgar is not, a, I know it's only two minutes up the road. It's not an area that I fully know everybody in. I mean, I know two people now, but like, well, I'm only joking, uh, my, my dad's family from there. But it's one of those things that down Patrick I know of, I go into different, you know, estates and communities and I'll, I mean, I'm related to half of them, let's be honest. But there is something about when you go out to the rural areas, you go, I actually don't know a lot. So I'm really, there's something about anybody love that like, oh, I don't know what's going to come. You know, there's something about that, that you guys are the studer. You aren't really cross guard. Like, you are away, you know, in the, in the back and beyond, you know. Um, it is one of those things that I'm really, really excited for. So if, if this week, you know, and you can't make it, but continue to pray, you know, this is where we get to, you know, move from, you know, a lot of our events are about breaking down the barriers and we've talked about that in previous weeks. Now we've got to create spaces where we can not only still break those barriers down, but also begin to interact with people and create those spaces. So I, I love my job. I get, to, I get to make you all uncomfortable and go, right, now you go do it. And actually, do you know what? It, it's our minds that trip ourselves up. The gifting that's in this room, the skills that are in this room, you guys can talk arm and legs off people. And I know that because I can do that too. But there's something in, in this room, in our community, I go, God's positioned us to be able to do this really well. I really believe that. We are positioned to do this really well. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it, you know? So, so please know that. Um, yeah, let's pray. We've been looking at our Ecclesia series, but let's just pray into, you know, that God would speak to us because, well, we really need that. Father, we, we give you this time, God. We, we thank you that you are, um, by your spirit, the agent of change and the agent of transformation in our lives and in our community. And Holy Spirit, you have hovered the earth 
from the beginning of time and you're hovering our communities and our families and, and, and every area of society right now. You're here, but you're out there. You're everywhere, God. And we acknowledge you that you're above it all and you're in all. You're not distant, you're not foreign, but you're also personal and relational, Father. And this morning, as we, we come to, to read your word, as we come to help us to see, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. God, would you speak something that would pierce our heart? We, we, we do a prophetic shift on the inside of us that we would know this is what you're asking me to do. Lord, I pray we all get to hear you. And Lord, would you come and speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Over the, what week is this? Number, is this number one, two, three, four? Because there's five weeks in, uh, in May. Just a bit of a recap for maybe those of you who, who haven't been about. But in the first week we looked at, obviously it's our Ecclesia series and it's talking about the heart of the church. In the first week we looked at the idea that the Ecclesia is what I like to say a building less mobile people movement that's designed to operate 24-7 in every area of society for the purpose of having an influence. Remember that word influence, it's important today, okay? An influence on everyone and everything. It's a kingdom where people can belong before they believe, right? Then after that, Mike came in week two and he discussed how this is practically done when we gather around the manifest presence of God, that the people and the gathering of God is to be around his presence, not to be around an idea or a theology, but around a person and his name's Jesus. Then John came uh, in week three and he explored how community, as a community, we're not only reformed in our theology, charismatic in our nature and missional in our philosophy, but actually the church and our community and every other church is to be the only gathering that exists on the place of the earth that exists for the, uh, the benefit of its non-members. Let me say that again. The church is, to be the only is the only gathering of people that exists for the benefit of its non-members. And we talked about why we don't do membership and so on. Today, I want to I wanna look a bit around how the Ecclesia is called to be a model of healthy community to the world and culture around it. That you and I, as a community, as an Ecclesia, that isn't just confined to these four walls, hopefully over the past number of weeks have been building up to that, but you and I are destined and set up by God to be a model of healthy families. Now, not John spoke about how we, when we say church family, we are multiple families that make up one gathering of, of a community, if that makes sense. But we are to be a model of healthy community to those around us. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, I would encourage you. Some of it will come up on screen. Not all the scripture is going to come up on screen because I often know that it's very easy just to look at that. But there's sometimes when, when we look through, you know, if you need a paper Bible, we'll get you one. Uh, you've all got a phone, so you know, do that as well. But there's just something about, I think, is really I think it's a lost start, even though I, I speak to myself. So it's always really good to, um, not to, not to guilt you or shame you, but just it's good to do that. Um, but go to Ma uh, Matthew chapter five. Okay, we're gonna be down in verse 13 and I'll come back to that in a second. But one of the things I wanna talk about, not to you know draw too much attention to cur current affairs, but is anybody aware of the big, the, fam the current famous, uh, I'm gonna say this, you know, the defaming trial between uh, Captain Jack, Sp Jack Sparrow and Amber Heard, right? Some of you know it's Johnny Depp and, and there's this thing that's going on and, you know, some people are going, I don't have the BBC News, I don't know what's going on. You go check it out, although actually don't check it out. Uh, what we're seeing right now is in the public arena, we're, we're seeing two very famous people who are, are suing each other for, you know, basically discrediting themselves, you know. Uh, and we're seeing two toxic people, two very broken people who are airing their laundry to the world. And do you know what? The world's buying it. The world is, is definitely buying it. 
And it's something that I really have been looking at this and I've been seeing that the media and, and this story in itself is actually painting an image of where marriage is just too messy. Where actually it just costs you too much money. And do you know what? It's simply not worth it. As I looked at that, that's what is being portrayed to our young people, to our, you know, our communities, that, that marriage is something that actually isn't worth going after anymore because it's too much hassle. You look, somebody comes and they steal from you. And what it is, it's actually pinning, you know, because that's really what they're doing. They're suing each other for, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow was no longer part of Disney, lost a lot of insight into that, and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's two people that actually have not been for each other, but are completely against each other. And it's one of those things that we'll, we'll come back to. And what we're seeing is these two people who are seeking a course of justice when really they should be seeking a course of healing. And it's really, really interesting that. And as I've been, I haven't been following too much of it really, but like I says, I really feel like the Lord prophetically is calling the church to be, especially in this occasion, to be people who display healthy marriages and healthy relationships to a world that don't know how to. Do you know that the Lord has called you to be someone who, to a, a world and a culture that doesn't know how to do healthy relationships and healthy marriages to be that? Otherwise, we wouldn't see. How many other coverages are shown? In this week's news, Tim and Susie have a, a healthy marriage. That doesn't get much hits, does it? No, it's in this week's news we see Captain Jack Sparrow and a lady from Aquaman destroy their marriage. Now, the Lord, and you hear this okay, the Lord loves Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, and we have to pray for them. We have to pray that he does something that what media uses to, just to gain and garner followers, that actually I believe the Lord wants to do something. And and can do something inside them. So I don't want to use them as a way to, uh, to just simply make a point. And it's why today actually I want to explore that we are called to be that healthy community, particularly in, in the two places that look at our identity and our purpose as a church, okay? One of the things that God's designed to happen in households as, as we essentially grow up or for children to be raised up in a household is so that they are raised with a sense of identity. They know who they are. Not only they know that they're gods, but they know through their birth parents who they are. They also have to develop a sense of purpose, why they're placed on this earth, you know? And we go through the stages of development where they learn that. But also in a child, they have to learn to develop or learn this awareness that they have access to resources. A child growing up, you will know, parents here, I'm not a parent, but you, you guys will know that a child needs to be raised to know it has access to resources so that it can manage and meet the demands that are placed upon them. And what really good parenting then does, without going into the whole parenting series, because you guys would do that better than I would, is actually then to go, a parent's job is to, to equip a child in order to not only be dependent on God, interdependent on God, but actually they can gain the, the resources and the means in order to manage life. And that when that happens in a child, in a healthy manner, you'll actually find the level of anxieties will be decreased. A child that has high levels of anxiety in their life will, will not feel like they have the resources to, meet, to uh, meet the demands placed upon them in life. A child or an adult with low levels of anxiety will find they feel like they have the resources uh, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, and mentally, okay? So that's, that's just something on a side note. But it's why as we grow, we learn these new skills. It's we, we learn to get the resources and the insight and it's why Jesus says, those who are humble and teachable will inherit the earth. 
So this morning, I really want to look at, in this context of healthy community, three things, okay, if you're taking notes. Salt, light, and leaven. Now, when I say leaven, I could also be interchanging between yeast, okay? Uh, just salt, light, and leaven. And these are three metaphors that Jesus used, th- one of many three uh, metaphors that Jesus used to describe the kingdom or, or attributes or aspects of the kingdom and our function in it. But let me start with the last one first off. I know for some of you order people, you go, no, we're, we're back to front today, okay? In Scripture, you'll find three types of leaven, okay? You've got the leaven of Herod, which is the political system. That's the system where man is at the center, reason is at the center, uh, and man has all control, okay? You have the, the leaven of Pharisee, which is the, the religious system, and that's where, yes, God is at the center, but actually he's, he's distant, he's impartial, and he's powerless, okay? Often might be known as deity or, or, or deism or, or distances, okay? Then you have the third leaven, which Jesus talks about, and it's that of the kingdom. And this is where God's manifest presence, his rule and his reign is for the here and the now. It's where we find acts and traces of his presence on the earth. And it's in this, you know, leaven of the kingdom is where we see traces of the miraculous breaking out. This might be where somebody gets healed, somebody gets delivered, restored. It's where... uh, Maybe there's provision of finances or what we've seen with a building or with their salvation. Or maybe it's even with actually when a man and a woman come together in marriage. All of these have kingdom. We celebrate them because they've got kingdom written all over it. In fact, whether, you know, where we see somebody who's downcast, someone who is low in spirit, there's a, there's a verse, maybe will come up, Isaiah 60, where it says, and you all know it, it says, Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness, the people. What's really interesting is that word deep darkness means heaviness. It actually means a depression. So when you see a deep darkness or a heaviness on the minds of a person, and then freedom comes, it's actually that is when we see the display of the kingdom come in a person. So miraculous of, of financial provision, of, of you know, physical healing and so on, that will be an external display of the, of the kingdom of God coming. But then where we see where there's deep darkness on a mind of a person, and then they get freedom through that, where they, they get conflicts resolved, where they, they get emotions that are, that are deactivated in their lives, they find that actually that's still the, the display of the kingdom coming. So the reason we talk about the kingdom being like leaven or like yeast is because every time the kingdom of God is demonstrated, like the leaven that gets worked into the lump of dough, it gets worked into the dough of society, of culture. It begins to spread. Testimony begins to, anybody heard a testimony that spreads like wildflower? Wildfire. Could work with flowers too, yeah, for all you planters, right? It works, you know. Maybe that's more in a weeds context, so that doesn't really help us out. I'll tell you, I'll do it like this, okay? Anybody know Jurgen Klopp? I'm going to be biased right now. I love Jurgen. Hannah's like, don't talk about Jurgen. We talk about him all the time. Big day today, by the way, okay? But all you football fans don't really care, so I've lost half of you already. Um, I love Jurgen Klopp. He is a charismatic maniac. I mean, I'd love to go to church with him, right? Um, he is a Christian, by the way, and. What's really, really interesting, and 
you know, bear with me for those of you who don't like uh, football or Liverpool in general, okay? But um, what I find really fascinating is in, in Jurgen Klopp manages the Liverpool football team. And Jurgen is professing, uh, he's got a, he professes the faith in Jesus, he, he follows Jesus. And two, or th- at least two or three of uh, Liverpool's senior players also outwardly profess uh, a relationship with Jesus. And what's really interesting right now is if you look at that team, now I am a wee bit biased, but there's also a lot of other teams that look right now between the title race between Liverpool and Man City and everybody really wants Liverpool to win because they're actually they're much more of a charismatic team. But what's really, really interesting is if you look at that team, if you look at the belief systems and the cultures, like if you study that right now and seen what's going on, it's actually quite remarkable. You know, in post-match interviews where the media are trying to get each team player to, you know, be the solo ranger, to be someone who takes all the credit for the team, they go, no, 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 it's because of, of my teammate. No, because we did this for the team. They put themselves second and they bring their team first. You find there's a, there's a togetherness, there's a building up of their teammates, there's a, there's a cohesiveness, there's a, a, t- a one of coordinates, if you like. And it's, you know, this is just my hunch, okay? But there's something about me that I think that maybe Jurgen Klopp is getting a lot of his leadership values from the kingdom. Whether he knows it or not, knows it or not whether that's what he's intentionally doing with his team. And I just have a wee hunch. I think in years' time we'll, we'll come across and he will release a book or something and he'll go, yeah, you're all surprised where I got my stuff. And, you know, it was actually from... from I, I actually do believe the Lord's going to let me meet him. Whether that's prophetic or delusional, I don't really know. But I will ask him. Okay, and if he says none of it came here, I will come back and apologize for this part of the sermon, right? (laughs) Okay. And what's happening is those values, which we can attribute, because remember, Bible says, examine all things and take that which is good. So there's things, aspects of this king, and whether, take Jurgen Klopp out of it, whether he knows it or not, there's something in this team that has infiltrated the whole wide, wide, wide team and also other uh, people in, in the Premier League and so on that people are starting to see. There's something. You listen to the pundits. You listen to the people that are analysing. There's something about this team. And do you know what? I'm going, <laughs> you don't really know what it is, do you? There, there's something they don't realise what kingdom values are being spread, a bit like that, that, that leaven and that yeast is being spread throughout these secular places, and that really, really is interesting to me. Do you know what? The same thing is with the supernatural. The same thing is with the supernatural. You see, for many, many years in church history, many centuries in church history, we often just attributed the miraculous, the provision, the the breakthroughs, the, the stories of testimonies for those who were on farm mission, those who were you know, maybe in Africa or, or Asia or South America, somewhere where they went away and sold everything. We just attribute those big things to those moments. But see now, in, in, in current church culture, there just seems to be a, a belief that actually, you know what, we all get to do this. We all get to play a part. It, it goes into normal life. You don't have to go become a missionary far and away in order to, to see the kingdom come through power like that. We actually get to see it in here and now. We have seen it in this church alone in the past month where we've seen a crazy provision of miracles and salvations. And do you know what? It's only the beginning. What is it? It's 11. It's beginning to spread. It's beginning to spread like wildflower. Okay. It's that desire, that hunger, that anticipation, that ambition that grows up on the inside of you. And do you know the best part is, this can either work for you or against you, but one of the best parts is 
when leaven gets into, worked into a dough, you can't get it out. It's irreversible. When the kingdom gets on the inside of a person, guess what happens? It's irreversible. And it begins to spread. No matter how much there's weeds, how much things choke it up, the kingdom is still there. kingdom still moves in our society. I remember when Hannah and I were making homemade pizza. Now, when I say Hannah and I, really, it's Hannah. Like, let's be honest. But as we gathered everything, oh, I did help in that moment. I did. Um, I had to, I had to do on my head to prove it. Probably, actually, it was probably the thing. Um, as we gathered everything, as we as we prepped to make homemade pizza, as we well, as we we gathered to make the dough, in order to to proof the dough, in order to to see it ferment, is we didn't leave that batch of dough in a cold corner of the, of the kitchen, right? No, we put it in a bowl, we covered it in, in a cloth or, or a damp cloth so that there was, and kept it in warm temperature because it was in the presence, we all know, that in the presence of heat and moisture that we begin to see the rising agent activated and then it begins to ferment. Well, that's what it looks like in my head anyways. And there's three types of leaven. Remember the political system, the religious system and the kingdom. Remember this. In your life, it's in the times of fire and difficulty that will always give rise to whatever you have going on in the inside of you. It's when you come close to the difficulties and the conflicts in your life that it will give rise, it will react, it will trigger, it will, it will send something happening on the in, that's already there on the inside of you and it will cause it to grow. Now, God doesn't make this the case. God doesn't... Uh, make this happen as a way of exposing us to shame us. No, he does it as a way so that we can be changed, so that we can grow, so that we can repent and turn the other way. All we have to do is confess it to him. All we have to do is go to him and then with his help, we can turn and see it removed. That's what's supernatural about it. See, maybe you're here and you, you, know, you, you feel like you just can be too critical all the time. Not only critical of yourself, but critical of other people. And it's the realization that we have to look at the log in our own eye before we look in the speck of another. And what we do is we go to God and we confess it to him. And then what we do is we go, God, help me move. And he will reveal to us what's in our heart and remove it. That's, that's what's, what's profound about this stuff. You know, or maybe you're, you're here and you're, you're thinking, you, you think way too much of what other people think about. You, you look at their approval more than actually look at God's. All we have to do is we change direction from looking at people, approval from them, to looking to God and then he can deal with the things in our lives. Whatever it may be, it's what we call heart transformation, right? Now, what about salt and light when we started this? If you want to go back to Matthew uh, 5.13, it says this. It'll come up on the screen. It's, this, it's the passage that we all know very well and it talks about the believers are salt and light. If you want to read along, okay, it's, it's, it says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it then be seasoned? It is then, for good, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. If you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor did they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me read 13 again. It says, you are the salt of the earth. You want to underline salt. But if the salt loses its flavor, you want to underline that. How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but thrown uh, and trampled underfoot by men. 
You see, at first glance, we all know in, in biblical times that salt was used as a preservative, particularly for meat, okay? It's not really obviously used because we fridges and so on, right? But it was preserved. And, and there is, looking at the scripture, you can take that and, you know, as we preserve the, the core values of, of the kingdom of Christianity in our families and we see that worked out in, in our communities. Absolutely, that's not really the direction I want to go, but you can go and you can look at that. But also what we can do is Jesus said this, if you read it again, he said, if the salt has lost its flavor, how then shall it be seasoned? You see, in most of our, in most of our kitchens at home, I think probably all of us, if not most of us, we will have salt and pepper, right? Anybody have, everybody salt and pepper, right? Pepper changes the flavor of a meal, right? It's salt that enhances the flavor. And the most important thing that we have to realize when we talk about being salt is the church's mandate to add flavor, okay? It's our mandate as the ecclesia to add flavor to things, to add flavor what already exists in our community. Remember, we've talked about how we're not, we're not here to, you know, reject culture and move away from culture. No, we're here to actually move toward and move in. That Jesus who came, uh, you know, and moved through the rabbinic culture and moved as a Jew, he, he didn't reject the, the culture of the time. He moved through it. And there's ways that we can do that. But how many of you know is not all community initiatives, not all startup businesses or, you know, medical inventions or whatever it may be are actually done by believers. I mean, we love when that's done by believers, right? We love the fact that, was it the defib was done by a guy in West Belfast and the DeLorean from someone? Like, we love that, right? Whether they were Christians or not, I don't know. I think maybe the defib guy was, but potentially, but not all of those are done by believers. Why? Because we see in Matthew 45, it'll not come up, that the Father sends his reign on the just and the unjust. All those inventions have changed the landscape of, of society. It's changed, you know, medical and it's changed film, right? But if I really believe that if all of, you know, creative inventions, all new uh, innovations came through the church, then it would have us thinking that the kingdom stops with us. It would have us thinking that, you know, we're in charge, that, uh, that you know, and then we forget about everybody else. And what it would do, it would make us become proud, arrogant, and self-absorbed, right? And one of the huge aspects of becoming effective as salt in culture is that we see God's value on the unbeliever before they place the faith in him. I'll say that again. A huge part for us as a community, becoming effective in, in as salt in a, in a culture, in a community, in our, in, our, in our towns, is that we see God's value in an unbeliever before they've placed their faith in him. It's that whole idea, they get to belong before they believe, right? If you're taking two notes, I believe there's many, many ways we can honor people, we can value people. But two ways I wanna look at this morning is we have to see everybody made in the image of Christ. That person who does your head in is made in the image of Christ. That person that makes you twitch is made in the image of Christ. That sibling, that spouse, that whoever it may be is made in the image of Christ. That in some way, all of us, despite our brokenness, display an aspect of God's nature that nobody else can. Do you know that you display an aspect of God's nature and character that I can't? Do you know that God has uniquely designed you to display that to the world around you in a way that nobody else can? 
I don't know if I should quote this in church. Maybe the fact that I'm saying that I shouldn't. But anybody heard the thing where can the real Slim Shady please stand up? Right? That's a local rapper, but some of you are laughing. Some of you don't know how it is. It's fine. You didn't, it was a re- wasted thing anyways. But it's that idea of the, can the true authentic version of ourselves stand up? And the second part of value is that everyone, we have to see everyone has been given gifts by God to give and sow into the grand ecosystem that is called his world. And whether they know or not, whether they're doing it, like back into the Jurgen Klopp scenario, okay? And it's why we're called as a community to be a prophetic people who celebrate and call out the value in gold that God has placed in another person. That's what we talk about when being a prophetic people, a prophetic culture. It's our job, it's our mandate to be someone who calls out the value in another person, regardless if they're a believer or not. It's really simple, whether it's you know, saying to someone, I love the smile that you bring to the room. I love you know, how you talk to people. You have a gift of how you can just work the room and talk to people. Like I look, every time I see Belinda, it's like the smile ear to ear, like she knows half of the people in the town. Or when you, when you talk to Clive and he's like talked to 30 people in the room by the time you've even got to. There's other people in this room that just have something that we go, you bring that. And it's calling that out. See, it doesn't matter whether they're, they're really kind-hearted and gentle in nature, you know. As people often say, is what Hannah's like. You know, it's like chalk and cheese sometimes, right? Although I don't think I'm kind. Yeah. Self-absorbed maybe, but maybe not kind. <laughs> and actually, it's calling that out and being intentional in the other person. And we celebrate that and we be a community that celebrates that. Remember, salt enhances the flavor of that which already exists. Salt enhances that which already exists in a person. Verse 13 goes on to say, but if the salt loses its flavor, then how will it be seasoned? What's really interesting is that word, that phrase to lose its flavor actually didn't mean what I thought it was going to mean. But in the original language, it means to be foolish. It's there, I'm not making it up. You can go look at it. So if salt without flavor is to be foolish, what is salt with flavor? What? Wise. I don't, actually didn't think I was going to get that. Well done. So salt without flavor is foolish. Salt with flavor is wisdom. It begs the question in some of the scenarios we talked about, like for example, the, the famous trial that's going on right now is, how can a person be wise in their relationships? How can a person display wisdom in a culture, in a community like Down Patrick? It actually is to have the mind of Christ. To, to be wise, to, it's not about the eloquent words. Remember, Jesus came in a time where they came and they wanted to use rhetoric and, and, and sayings in a way that made them sound wise. They were, they, they were wise on the external, but wisdom on the internal looks different to a culture. It's not about the, the degree you have, it's whether you have one or not. It's not about you know, your, your, how well-spoken you are, although it's important. Wisdom is an external it's actually an internal one, and it's to have the mind of Christ. You see, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, it is because of him, which is Christ, you're in Christ, who has become for us wisdom of God. If you want to know what wisdom looks like, look at Jesus. Jesus is wisdom personified. Jesus embodied wisdom. He embodied, he, he showed us what it looks like, what wisdom of the Father, the mind of the Father looked like, because he came and he embodied it. There's a saying that goes around that Jesus is perfect theology. 
If you want to you know, and develop a, a theological platform and belief system, look at Jesus. Where he's silent, we also be silent. And I love in, uh, actually Paul then goes on to say in Philippians 2.5, just, just for your record, is that let, he says, let, the, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's the mandate that we as a believer are to think like Christ, to align ourselves uh, with how he sees a person and how he sees a situation. Remember, if it's in scripture, whatever we're asked to do in scripture, uh, let me put it like this. In scripture, we are never asked to do something that isn't possible. You may be here going, I don't have the mind of Christ. I think all sorts of thoughts. Remember, leaven. The more you spend time with Jesus, the more, t- the more the way his thinking gets into you, the more way his beliefs come into you. You may be going, well, I think all these negative thoughts, I think I, I can't surely have the mind of Christ. You're being sanctified. You're being set apart as time goes on. We are being renewed. How? Transforming of our mind. Leaven, remember that. So when you and I maintain our saltiness, it's because we have remained connected to God's view on how he sees the world and the people around us. And it's by his plans and purpose for our communities that we begin to see. It's not just about giving somebody advice. It's not about whether you can give somebody really, really good financial advice or where to invest in money. Like, don't come to me for that, right? You'll not, you'll not have a good investment. We're all going to invest in Liverpool, actually, okay? Season tickets, that sounds good, right? Or it's not about whether we, you know, anyways, it's not about how, what we, we bring on the external like that. It's when we, we maintain a level of saltiness in our lives when we look at a person and we see what God's doing and what God's saying in their life and we share it with them. And when we maintain that level of saltiness in our lives, the people around us begin to savor. Remember, when we add salt, people begin to savor that. When we step out in the prophetic, when we step out in the miraculous, when we begin to, to, to share that with people around us, we share the salt that's within us, all of a sudden, they become flavored. They savor it. They, they savor that flavor which you bring to a community. It already enhances what is in them for the better that it's quite possible for them to come into this community that may be so rich in flavor that they're changed by what they see. Actually, sometimes they're just changed by being in the room. Let me ask you this. Does anybody remember growing up and you thought you were a big kid and you tried to put salt on your food? Maybe you still do this now. And you're trying to sprinkle it all over. Next thing, either the cap comes off, it all like lands on top of your food. Anybody else done that or is that just me? Yeah, so there's some of you. The rest of you aren't honest enough. Or you maybe weren't allowed to put your own salt in your own dinner. Is that right? And what the church can often think is we want to be like that salt that we just, we plump the whole, like you take a, a, a salt shaker, whatever you want to call it, and we, do, we dump all of the salt on the side of the plate. All the contents, boom, in one lump. And we think the church is to be like that because we like being together. But actually in you know, 20 minutes, half an hour's time, we're all going to leave here and we're all going to begin to be sprinkled around our community. You know, right now, here, we are the, the, the lump of salt that's in that shaker, right? But when we leave, what happens is God starts to sprinkle us around our communities. When we go around, you know, our, our, to our Sunday lunches or whatever it may be, God begins to sprinkle us. 
around our communities. You see, when some of you didn't realize, God has you in a place, one where he has you where you're meant to be. And what he does is he is sprinkling you in that environment to use you in a way. It's just because how you do life, the way you talk to people, the way you interact with people, the gifts, the, the abilities that you have, he uses so that you can bring life and purpose to those around you. You are the salt Your life matters. Your life, you're called to influence. You're called to enhance, not to tear down. Remember, it's always easier to tear down than it is to build up. It's always easier to take away than it is to give. You don't have to be a mature believer to do that. Take, 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 take. Criticize, criticize. Um, You don't even have to know Jesus to be able to do that. But actually, there's something about when we are transformed, we begin to enhance. That's what the church and that's what we're called to do as believers. So the light of the world is the, is, the, is the third bit. Verse 14 says this. It says, You're the light of the world. A city which is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. You see, from a distance, I want to ask you this, from a distance, what is the best time for a person to see a town or a city? What type, what's the best time of day for, or in, in a 24-hour period for a person in a distance to see a town or a city? Does anybody know? Nighttime. Why? Because of its light. Remember, it's in the darkest times that the light shines the brightest. We have people who are coming afar from wherever they may be, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. They're, they're, they're approaching towns and cities metaphorically that actually they're in need of fuel, they're in need of shelter, they're in need of, of community, of belonging, they're in, they're in need of, of support and, 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 and security. And when people come into our community, They're coming with all sorts of needs. They're coming with all sorts of desires that one only God can fix, but we lead them to. And we become that light in our communities. You see, there has to be something in this community that is worth attracting people to. There has to be something in Journey Down Patrick that, because people are not coming. This isn't the city of the hill. By the way, this fancy building and the potential fancy new building is not the city on the hill. It's not the salt shaker of the earth, right? It's actually something that has to be in an environment and in a culture that attracts people. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, just using fancy techniques in order to, you know, convince people to come to a a meeting, whether it's all the psychological tools that you want to use. No, there has to be something in you and I, in our relationships, that is attractional to people. Because remember, as we talked about, the world is seeking to know how they do healthy relationships and healthy marriages. They're on the search for it. It's not the gatherings, it's not the fancy buildings. But in you and I, in how we treat one another, display something to a world, a toxic culture, a culture that is about me first, me at the center, my gain, my benefit. A culture that says that, that actually we are to be something different. That that is then how we be like Hebrews 13, 15, and 16 says this, if you're following, uh, taking notes. 
Let us occasionally offer to God a sacrifice of praise, which, is, which we did with, with our worship. The fruit of our lips that openly profess him with his name, sometimes sharing our testimony and our story. But do not forget to do good, which we will do with cross guard and we do as we serve. But also to have to share, which means to have fellowship with others. For such sacrifices, which is praise, uh, doing good works, and then fellowship with one another, such sacrifices uh, are pleasing to God. We know that our worship in times of hardship, when we, when we speak about how good God is in a, in a time where we, we don't feel like God's good, that's a sacrifice. Sometimes when we do good works or we, we give in a way that it sacrifices us not only financially but also with our time. But how many of you know fellowship is also to be sacrificial? Some of you are like, I know some of the people I do life with. <laughs> it's a sacrifice, right? You see, too often in our culture, fellowship or relationship is at our own convenience. Whether if we are the only one, we're only concerned by what we can get out of it rather than what we can put in or whether we get or we give to others just by our leftovers because I have to go to church, because I have to do a relationship with believers, I'll just give them my leftovers. But remember, sacrifice comes when we step beyond that. And sacrifice comes in our community, in our relationships, in our churches together. Come when we step beyond that which is convenient for us. When we step beyond that which is convenient for us, sacrifice comes. And it's when your sacrifice as a community goes beyond your own convenience, that is when the light shines. How many of you know the light shines the brightest for our communities when you and I honor each other when it's hard? You and I fight for each other instead of fighting against each other. When you and I decide, I'm not gonna chuck each other under the bus because I see you in God's image. I value what's in you. I value the gold. We may disagree, we may hate, we may fight. I might have heard that you said something to somebody else behind my back. I am not because I have the mind of Christ. I'm gonna align myself not with his culture, with his mind and not this culture would there tell me how to treat people in my relationships. Instead, I'm gonna honor, I'm gonna value. No matter if there's things inside of me that gets triggered, that gets brought up, whatever rises in the conflict, I decide, I'm going to try as an act of, of my obedience and an act of my will that I will honor you beyond what this culture says. That's how our light shines the brightest. That is what this community needs. I tell you time and time again, we know it and because it happens in our own community, but out there, the broken relationships, the toxic culture, the chuck you under the bus, it happens at a rampant rate of knots. Why? Because they don't know any other way. And do you know what? It happens on the inside of us. It happens in this community as well. But I have to call us, we have to hold each other to account. Are we willing to be a people who actually will decide to honor instead of chucking people under the bus? That costs us everything. Is it easy? Absolutely not. You've been in churches a lot longer than I have and you will know that when there's a culture of dishonor, it destroys. There's church splits, there's all sorts of things. But you and I have to decide from this moment on, will we allow Journey Down Patrick to be a place where's the culture of honor or the culture of dishonor? You get to decide that. And I believe when we do that, forget about the buildings, forget about the provisions, that is what will win our community to Jesus. So we might go to Cross Gardens weekend with our bouncy castles and barbecues that feed their entertainment and their gut. But can I tell you something? That will be nowhere near effective how you and I treat each other. Under the, fa the fire of being able to manage run an event, will we snap? 
because something on the inside of us doesn't like to see that we're wrong? Can we get over ourselves? Will we be a people that will decide, you know what? I don't always get it right. Heck, I don't always get it right. God bless you all, right? We won't get it right. Can I tell you something? In this community, you're allowed to feel. I, I praise the Lord for therapy, right? Amen, right? I learned something only in the past couple of years, but particularly I learned it time and time again. Failure is not a thing in the economy of heaven. Do you know you can't fail in God's eyes? That will be actually counterproductive to a lot of your theology. Because you'll believe I have to work or I, 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 I have sins so I need to repent of. Yes, we do all of that. But you know God chose you in your sin. God chose you in your, your busted messesness, right? But back to my point. In this environment, I, I, I praise the Lord for Hannah too because she calls me out. When we speak something that criticizes another person. You see, we do that because we criticize that in another person which we don't like in ourselves. If you're a critical person and you're here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push you. If you find yourself, and we, you maybe don't feel like you're critical, but you just go, look at that person. Yeah, they wouldn't wanna be in their situation. What are we using our lips to do? It costs us the sacrifice to go, do you know what, I'm not gonna engage in that. And I tell you, I know a lot of people who, regardless if they're saved or not, or in a culture where information travels fast and the, the, um, the, the line of gossip. And I mean, I can tell you, I know what goes on in this time because everybody just be like, oh, you hear about this? And I find myself just going, yeah, tell me. Because this thing, I don't say, oh, let me hear all the gossip. But I don't stop them right in that moment and go, do you know what? You're dishonoring that person. Because we do that because we're afraid that actually we'll lose the relationship. But sometimes it's worth asking what relationships are worth holding. Because the leaven that's in them is getting in you. Are you going to be a thermostat or are you going to be a thermometer in your relationships? What I mean by that. A thermostat, thermometer, I'll start with that one. It gauges the temperature of the room. It has no control, it has no power. It doesn't set anything. But a thermostat goes in the relationships and goes, you know what, I'm not going to gauge that. I'm going to set the temperature in this. Sometimes setting the temperature, by the way, in a toxic environment is just accepting and going, I ain't going to change you, I'm going to leave. We have to leave, you know, we aren't saviors, by the way. People are adults. They have to deal with their own stuff. We tell them, and you know, time and time again, they don't deal with it, we leave. Anyways, I don't know where it's going with that one, but let that be there. So when we go to Crossgar, the people in our community, they have zero interest. I want you to say it like this. They will have zero interest coming to this church. They will have zero interest coming here. This is a cult to them, all right? You're weird and wacky in some ways, you know? They have zero interest in becoming, now, not all of them, okay? But I'm saying the majority, take this as a rule of thumb now. People don't want to become the part of a, just a, a member of another religious organization. No, but what happens is this. They may not have any interest in Jesus or in, any interest in coming part of this community, but they do have an interest in the peace that's in your house. They do have an interest in the light that's in you. Ah, there's something about you. I don't quite understand what it is. You know, maybe your kids in some ways are obedient. That's a miracle in itself. Maybe they, they actually don't talk back to you as common as their kids do. They see something. They want the peace that's in your marriage. When somebody says something, you both don't chuck each other under the bus. You're for each other instead of against each other. They want that. 
If we bring that, we model that, I will tell you something, we will see revival in our community. We will see revival in our churches because guess what? They'll be banging your door down. And then you go, you will, you will spend around a dinner table, you'll spend, that's how we do it. But it starts with us having a sacrifice in here and with each other. Can I look around, look around the room right now? This is us, this is who we've got. We are to add to this, by the way. I do want to see it grow. Absolutely, I'm not going to deny we're here numerically as well. But there's something about a growth that happens when we choose. How are we going to, who is the person in this room that you know the least amount about? Do you know what your assignment is between now and next Sunday? Because I'm going to ask you. Have you went and spoken to them? Have you invited yourself out with coffee with them? I love inviting myself around to people's houses. It's because we don't have to do the cleaning. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have said that out loud, but... Um, we thank you that you have us over, by the way. <laughs> Digging a hole, right? It's in the relationship of how we interact that some bystander then sees the light and they taste and see that the Lord is good. It's then that they taste our saltiness and go, oh, there's something about them. Weird, wacky, cult people. I maybe want to be part of that, right? We have to be counterculture to the culture. Back to Isaiah 60. You see, uh, before I go to that, it's, in so, it's when they then f- taste that flavor, when they see something in us, the light goes on. All of a sudden, they realize the peace that they've been searching for is a person, and his name is Jesus. That's the greatest form of evangelism. Because what's the worst form of evangelism? You need to repent your sins. You need to follow Jesus. You need to be transformed while we're chucking our spouses under the bus, while we're chucking our friends under the bus. It's called hypocrisy. It's the sourest taste. Instead of being salt, I don't know what the opposite is. Marmite? <laughs> Some of you like marmite, so that's not the best. I don't know what it might be. You know, It's like when you put salt in your tea, you should be doing that, right? Isaiah 60, it says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness, or deep darkness, over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Listen to this, nations will then come to your light, and kings will bright, uh, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Remember, light shines Uh, brightest in the darkest places. You and I are positioned to be that light in our communities. We only have to look at Jesus meeting in private with Nicodemus, an influential leader in the day. Nicodemus was searching the truth. He met with Jesus. It was private places. Do you know God has destined you to have uh, times where you will meet with people in influence? People in, in society who, who maybe won't come into the open spaces but are hungry and searching for truth. There's going to be times where you lead uh, and have conversations in, in places that are in private. Now, I'm not talking about having, like, building people to yourself. That's unhealthy. But there is something about when we just, we don't always talk with people in the spotlight. We actually talk with them in, in private. And there are times where we've seen then Nicodemus, who we see as, not to sidetrack with Nicodemus, but you then see that later on he made a profession of faith in Jesus. There are people you are sprinkled there's people sprinkled all over our community that God wants to sprinkle you over, if I'll say it like that, who look to you and I. There's people in our community that look to you. You don't realize, but they watch. They are searching. They are hungry. 
they are looking at you. They are Facebook stalking you. They are doing X, Y, and Z because they want to know if you're, you know, don't, do not be under any illusion of who may be watching. Sometimes they catch out, but actually I think in a lot of ways they're just searching for truth. And if I can finish with this last section, I really believe the healthy community, the city on a hill, is to be the light of the world, right? But healthy communities is seen in the form of being, I guess, that city on a hill. The redeemed, which is us together, regardless of where we meet. Healthy community invites the supernatural. Do you know healthy community invites the presence of the Lord in this place? I want to ask you, who in this room is hungry for the presence of the Lord to be on journey down, Patrick? Hands up. Do you know, it's not about legalism because he comes in the way he does, but we do have a personal responsibility. If we can go after a healthy community, if we can go after a place of honor, I will guarantee you, he comes like a Russian wind. Why? Because when one person fears through shame and opening themselves up to encounter the Spirit of God because somebody else uh, is critical or X, Y, and Z, they, they don't. I find it's one of the things that if we squash, if we get rid of shame and criticism in our churches, we will find the Spirit of God will come like a floodgate. And why does it come in a community like that? Why does his presence come? Because it's not for an individual. It's for how we do life. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be an ecclesia that the Spirit of God comes. I dream it's the only... I'm here for you too, by the way, but I'm a bit selfish. I'm here for the glory of the Lord. To not only be in this space, but in that place. I, I dream of seeing the... I'm not just all about revival in, in that. Revival is not my idol. The presence of God is. Because we can chase uh, how we think revival should look like instead of him coming to do a new thing. When we pursue the presence of God... And we do healthy community together. I will tell you now, time and time again, when you feel like you have to usher in the presence of God, you will find he ushers you in more than you realize. He comes in ways, he breaks out, that we just go, oh, it's like a Christophany. Where that's what happens in scripture when there's Christophanies is because people, they were set, you know, the forefathers, they were, people that were set apart. They decided, I want to do something with my life to be obedient to what is important to him. And when, I'll say it like this, it's, it's when we start, start pursuing healthy uh, relationships and healthy community, all of a sudden we start hearing of all the kinds of miracles breaking out, the kinds of provisions that we've seen for 33,000 pounds, the kind of you know, salvations, all sorts of breakthroughs. And it's, it's like it's because it's his amen to how we're living our life. It's like when those you know, manifestations of the kingdom come, when we see the breakthrough and the provision, it's like God's just saying, amen, a big, big Amen. It's like, and it's not that we do that to get, you know, but that, let our lifestyle be our prayer. And then he comes along and go, amen to that. Journey down Patrick, you know, the individuals and the, and the community and that, I'm on that people. He is, he, of course he is already, even with our stuff. But actually there's something about when he just then, I really believe. And it's not, I'm not pursuing, you know, miracles for the sake of miracles. I'm pursuing the one who gives the miracles. And what we do is we see that actually he comes in a greater manifestation because he goes, amen, amen. Is God going to give you your amen in your house? Is God going to give you your amen in your relationships with your friends and your family, how you live, how you treat people? 
remember, it's like the secret sauce when God comes in his spirit. That's what the secret sauce in a room is, in a community. You know when you go, when you go oh, I can't quite get it. It's the secret. It's something we go, oh, it's weird to do that. It's a bit creepy, but it's like, mm. it's like that, that idea of like, you know, some of your bakers and you're tasting your, you know, your bolognese and you go, mm, there's something about it. And when you walk into an environment, I want people to walk in here and go, mm, there's something about this. Well, people come in and go, I want to be part of that rather than they have to jump all the hoops and the hurdles and go, I don't really know if I want to be part of that group. No, let people taste, let people savour, let people do that. Because when it all boils down to it, and it all comes down to what is the secret ingredient, it's actually in John 13, 35. Love one another. And this way, you will prove you are my disciples. If we love one another, we will show the world proof that he is Jesus, that he can transform, that he can come in his presence, not just the knowledge of who Jesus is, not just having the, the right doctrine, the, you know, knowing all the creeds, knowing, having it all in a box. No, 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 no. It's when we set aside ourselves for healthy community, the people come in and we love one another. Love isn't just about ooey gooey. I love you, right? Remember, love is an emotion, but love is this. I choose as an act of my will. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm, we might fight the bit out, but we're, do you know what? sacrificial fellowship means that actually I'm going to lay down my pride. Who's stubborn in the room? I'm glad you're honest. <laughs> At least we're got, that's the one grave's good. We got to, why are we stubborn? What are we holding on to? What's the control, the fear, the anxiety? That then, because it all comes down to that secret sauce and that secret ingredient is love. Because God is love and he comes through that. And it's that in a culture and in a community, there's something powerful and redemptive that my sacrificial community, I really believe, has the power to transform down pattern. Sacrificial community actually will bring transformation in families. It'll bring a model. And we get the part of it. So Leah and those guys, if I can get you up. I'm, I'm aware over time. Hopefully that was all right. You were four minutes over. Um, I've been getting better. Um, why don't we stand, if we can? I'll summarize it like this. You are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, but he is light in you. It's like this. Jesus says, I was the light of the world. And then he went, tagged it. Now, not that we are, the, we are the light of the world. It's the light on the inside of us, obviously. But he, he tagged it. Now you go. You're the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And where we are here to bless each other, add flavor, and give context practical context for people to belong and find meaning. Our community is hungry to belong. Now, some of that's out of a broken home and system. We all will have that. That's God will work on it. But if we choose to be a city on a hill, wherever we go, we get to practically do this this coming week. If we choose, we're going to be a city on a hill with each other. Do you know what? I encourage us when there's people around who maybe don't come to this community, not that it becomes false, but why don't we start getting intentional? Maybe you might go, I don't know how to encourage. Start once. I don't really, call out the gold. Let's start there. And when we do that, the presence and the supernatural of God will come in ways that I know we're all hungry for. Are you gonna to commit to it? So Father, we commit as a community today to healthy community.
sacrificial community. Honour and value above everything else to a culture that says we chuck under the bus. No, we will hold on to each other. We will fight for each other, not against each other. Father, by your Holy Spirit, give us the grace and empowerment to do this. Hold us, your sheep, your flock together, that we would be a model for healthy community, a culture and a community that are so sick and along. Because we owe the world an encounter with you. We owe the world to come and to see. We, we have to take our, up our mandate today. So if that's what you want to do, where you're at in your seat, just take one step forward as a prophetic act for you yourself. If you want to go, I'm going to commit, because only you can do it, to be a healthy member of this community. Just take that step forward and go, Lord, help me to do it. Help me to do it for the sake of my, these around me, the people who, to my left, to my right, in this community, so we may see your presence come in a, in a greater anointing in, in, in this life. So Father, I thank you that journey down Patrick, that this community, we are called to be a city on a hill, that every other church in this vicinity is also called to be a city on a hill. So we pray for honour to break forth. We pray for value to break forth. We pray that people will call out the gold, call out the destinies in this community and the people around us. Lord, we commit ourselves right now as a people to be prophetic to this nation, a voice to this this community, as we go across Gargoyle, we pray right now, would you break forth in your miracles and your provision? We pray for healings, for salvations, for light to shine greater in the darkness, that the darkness shall never overcome it. We just say right now, the darkness will never overcome the light that is in us, through us, and in this community. So right now, we decide, we hold our torches together. We hold our torches, that in that it will become a bonfire for our kingdom. That in I'll not go down that route, but God, and right now we pray that in your kingdom that people will see the light. If people have heard us, God, right now I'm going to invite the ministry team up if, if there is one. And I'm going to pray right now. If you have offense in your heart, you go tell someone. You David, it's not about shame. I will be proud if you come and you go, I've been holding this. I want to get rid of it. Why? Because you've displayed practically you want to help build healthy community. That's what we do here. So Father, we pray, would you come and move in this community as we worship you, as we finish, as we close. In Jesus' name.